0: make you shout, save to the uttermost. All right, take your Bible if you would, go to the book of Philemon, Philemon, if you'll work your way down through Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and carry it right on past Timothy and Titus. We were in Titus, now Philemon. I'm going to begin a new study on Wednesday nights on Philemon. And uh, we're going to look at this book. It's got a lot of things in it I think would be helpful to us And uh, hopefully got to get glory out of that. Well, I've got 20 minutes to preach before we pray. So uh, let's get right into it. Philemon, verse number 1. The Bible says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Aphia, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want want to start off with the phrase that's at the very beginning of the very first verse. I think it'd be worth underlining, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Now, I, I want you to note that you can be a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He doesn't say, I'm a prisoner of Nero or I'm a prisoner of Rome because actually you could probably technically say, well, he was a prisoner. You want to go see Caesar? Well, then we're going to send you to Caesar. He would be a prisoner. That's not what he said. He says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. How many of you think it'd be better to be a prisoner of Jesus Christ than to be a prisoner of Nero? Amen. Amen. Now, that being said, put a little finger right there, if you would, in Philemon and go back to 2 Timothy chapter 2. That's just a few pages to your left. I want to show you somebody else you could be a prisoner to. The Bible says in Second Timothy, in chapter 2, verse number 25, In meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God per will give them repentance to acknowledge the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. In other words, that's somebody that is a prisoner of Satan, Boy, I tell you what, Sister Stratton singing about, I'm saved to the uttermost. I am glad I am not in Satan's prison house anymore. Amen. I'm no longer there, that maniac of Gadara that was tormented and bound and, and had all kinds of horrible things he had to live through the day he met Jesus Christ, seated and clothed in his right mind, amen. And I tell you, tonight, tonight, I would not want to be a prisoner of Satan. Now, there's a lot of people I wouldn't want to be a prisoner of. I wouldn't want to be a prisoner of the Russian army if I was a Ukrainian soldier, but worse than that, I would absolutely not want to be a prisoner of Vladimir Putin. But I go beyond that. I would not want to be a prisoner of Satan at all. And the Bible's clear that people can be taken by Satan in his snare captive at his will. Not their will, his will. A lot of people think, well, I can just get out anything the devil puts in front of me. That's not true. It's not true. But go back to Philemon. We're not talking about being a prisoner of Satan. We're talking about being a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Uh, And I say it again, how many of you think it would be a whole lot better to be a prisoner of Christ than it would be a Satan? Amen? Now, that being said, I I just think by way of introduction, Paul in 2 Corinthians 11 says that he was in prisons often, frequently. That's something he knew something about. He knew what it was like to be inside of a prison. I hope you don't. I think some of you may. Some of you may have been in prison as a ministry. Some of you may have been in jail because of a crime committed or an offense that was taken. That's not a good place to be. But in this passage, it doesn't seem like it's a negative thing at all. In fact, it seems like he's happy about being a prisoner. He says, a Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on using words like our brother and dearly beloved. In verse 2, our beloved Aphia, our fellow soldier, the church, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Sounds like to me he's happy being a prisoner. Doesn't sound like to me that he's bitter about it or sour about it. He's happy about that. And when I thought about in the Bible, you know, Joseph was in prison. Jeremiah was in prison. The 12 disciples were in prison. Paul was in prison. Silas, he was put in prison. The Bible says that Aristarchus and Marcus both were in prison, that Epaphras was in prison. How many of you glad you never had to spend a day in prison for Jesus Christ? Come on, you probably need to say amen about that out loud. You never know what might take turn in this world. Aren't you glad that you never had to suffer in prison as a Christian? Aren't you glad of that? Because there are a lot of people that have. Good people, not for a wrong they've done. Jesus Christ was a prisoner. And yet the Bible says, Paul makes it very plain, that he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ. That's unusual to me. Put a mark there in Philemon again, and look if you would in Ephesians chapter 3. Go to Ephesians chapter 3. You got to turn in a hurry. We don't have much time. Ephesians 3. Of course, those of you, if you're looking at it on your on your iPad or whatever you have there, your phone, then you can just flip to it. I I do like turning pages better than I do like uh, flipping screens. I think it's a whole lot better. But uh, nonetheless, um, Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 1, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. That's the title he says again. I'm the prisoner of Jesus Christ. Look at it again in chapter 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Paul is claiming to be a prisoner, not of Nero, not of Rome, but of Jesus Christ. When he writes the letter and the Holy Ghost uses his hand to pen this letter to Philemon, he makes certain at the very outset he says, Philemon, I want you to know I am a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I think there's some things that we could probably infer from that. Um, the Geneva Convention says this back in 1906 that a prisoner is required food, clothing, correspondence, and quarters. That you can take a prisoner and you can clothe him, you can feed him, you can give him a place to stay, and you can give him, and you, you need to give him correspondence. But that's about the limit of it. All kinds of things were done to prisoners in World War II. And Jesus says, or rather Paul says, I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And the first thing I think that infers is this. I think that tells you a little bit about Paul's mindset. Um, when I was a boy, I, I, I don't know how many others may have seen it, but when I was a boy in, in Alabama, there was a thing called a chain gang. may ever heard of that? What they would do to a prisoner instead of giving them a nice place to stay and all the kind of amenities, a weight room and all those things, lawyers, books, television, they would put them on a work detail and there would be a chain that they would go out and they would have to be out there in the hot sun working, chained to one another and very, very embarrassing. In fact. So embarrassing in some ways that our country decided we need to end that because that is really just unjust punishment. You shouldn't embarrass someone like that. Well, what I would say is if you don't want to be embarrassed like that, don't commit the crime like that. But what happened is they would be on a chain gang. They would be out there very humiliated. And then... Then that went away, and so we had a prison down the road from us, Limestone Correctional Facility. And, and they took those prisoners, and, and instead of having the orange uniforms, um, when they got in trouble, they would give them pink uniforms. Now, for some people, that probably would be a blessing. But for them, these grown men in pink, they, they didn't really, it, it, again, and that, that had to be removed because it was a shame. Now, I I don't know if you've ever had your hands cuffed before. But when you have your hands cuffed and you're standing there, my daughter and I were riding down the road. We saw a policeman. There's a car. And we look on the side of the road. And and she said, oh, well, there's something interesting there because those people, they, they were handcuffed in daylight. That's embarrassing. It's humiliating. I've been bound. I'm now a prisoner. I'm I'm in bonds. And that tells me that Paul, Paul does not think highly of himself. If he's saying, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ, he's got to have a mind that is humble and a lowliness of mind. And I want to say tonight, are you listening to me? I want to say tonight, I believe that one of the greatest Christians in the Bible was a man that had a great humble attitude when it came to himself. Lowliness of mind. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I'm not the statesman. I'm not the the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. I'm just the prisoner of Jesus Christ. He took the lowest state. Hey, church, can I say this to us tonight? It would be good for us if we want revival to have a humble heart and to take the lowest place and give Jesus the highest station. That's what Paul's doing. He's saying, I'm going to take the lowest place. I'm going to humble myself. I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And I think that plays well in the book of Philemon because Philemon is a servant. He's a slave. And Paul says, well, I'm also, I'm a slave. I'm a servant as well. I'm a servant to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I'm telling you right now, there's no better person you could serve than the Lord Jesus Christ. So I think it takes great humility of mind for him to say, I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Second thing I'd like to say about that. If you look there in Ephesians 3, 1, he says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. In other words, he is a prisoner of Christ, but he is a prisoner for the benefit of the Gentiles of those people saved at Ephesus. And that brings about what my thought is: the position of service. If if you remember in the Old Testament, Joseph, Joseph was put in prison, and 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 the, what they did, they gave him control. They put him in charge of doing all that had all the things that were going on inside the prison were left to Joseph's um, uh, orders and his direction. And so he was serving in prison. He was working. Um, I have been in some maximum security prisons. And one of the things they do there is they give those prisoners in those prisons a trade. I know men who went into those prisons and they learned how to take and make leather goods. And others, they taught them how to do other things. They put them to work. Um, there was a, an attitude of service. And I would say tonight, when Paul says that I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ, he's not the one looking to be served. He's looking to do the serving for other people. I think I'll get down here and say that to you. In other words, instead of asking somebody to do something for you, Paul's mentality is not, I'm here for you to serve me. He's saying, no, I'm the prisoner of Jesus Christ, and I'm here to serve not only him, but also you Gentiles as well. A church that is full of people that have an attitude, I'm not here to get what I can, I'm here to give what I can, is a church that you want to be a part of. A servant's attitude the idea that I'm not here to gain for myself, but I'm here to give to someone else. And as a prisoner, he's saying, listen, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and I'm here to serve. I'm on work detail. I can, I can still remember the story. D.L. Moody had a Bible conference. He had all kind of preachers that he brought in. He had a Bible college, and, um, and, and he wanted the shoes to be shined for the preachers that were present. And so he asked one of the students, and that student replied, I did not come here to learn to shine shoes. I came here to learn how to preach. And I will not shine those shoes. So D.L. Moody, he stayed up all night. He shined all the preacher's shoes, and he put them outside of their door. You say, what happened to that young man? I don't know that anybody would know because he didn't have a servant's attitude, but you know what we do know? We do know who D.L. Moody is. We know who the servant is. We know the man that gave himself, and if the attitude, particularly in Bible college, you know, I'm I'm, I'm here at Tabernacle to get everything I can out of Tabernacle, and then I'm going to go out and I'm going to climb up that ladder. I'm telling you, while you're here as a college student, you ought to have a heart to serve other people. But not just our college students. I think it ought to be true of every one of us. If we're going to be servants of Jesus Christ, we ought to have an attitude. I'm here to serve my local church, not to be served. I think that's an attitude that he has when he says, I'm a prisoner, that I'm somebody that's serving, I'm somebody that's humble. And then lastly, go back if you would to Philemon. Oh my, the time is moving so fast. The third thing I would say is this. If he says I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ, then you know what he's saying. I am totally dependent upon what Jesus determines for my life. Right, right. If you're a prisoner of I don't even know the prisons around here. Some, what's one of the prisons around here? Anybody know? What's that? Perry. Perry Perry Correctional Facility. Is that right? I don't know who said that. Have you been there? And I'm just. <laughs> Maybe have been there in ministry. If you're in Perry Correctional facility, you know what Perry Correctional facility is going to do for you? Same thing Uncle Sam did for me. Well, my dad refused to pay for my tuition for college because I was not doing college work. And I said, tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the military, and I'm going to have them pay for my education. And, and, and you know, you, you're not going to tell me how I'm going to live, Dad. Instead, I'm going to let about 400 other men tell me how to live. I'm going to let them tell me what kind of haircut I'm going to have. I'm going to let them tell me what kind of clothes I'm going to wear. I'm going to let them tell me what time I get up. I'm going to let them tell me what time I, I still remember the first, the, they lied. They told me, they said, when you, I, I got I to move. They, they, they said, you can eat as much as you want. I asked them that question. So when I join, can I eat as much as I want? They said, sure. He just didn't tell me in four minutes. I, I, the first the first day, I, just trying to get a little respite, been screamed at, had my hair sh- head shaved basically a- a- in green uh, with all these other guys. I don't know who they are. We go to the chow hall. We had to get up four or five o'clock that morning to get screamed at. I finally get in there, a little peace and quiet, a little normalcy, and I got my cereal, and I've got my milk, and I've got all this other stuff I'm putting together on my tray and my plate, and I go and I sit down, and I, 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 I sat down. it couldn't have been more than, it couldn't been more than 15 seconds. I heard, get out of my child hall. I thought, who was screaming in here? And I found out who was screaming. My drill sergeant was screaming. And I hadn't even got a chance to eat my breakfast. And he told me to get up and get out. He said, what'd you do? I got up and got out. Join the military. Military tell you where you're going to live. I'm going to tell you what you're going to eat. <laughs> That'd be good for some of you. <laughs> you're going to have to eat this. You, tell you how you're going to fold your clothes. Yeah. And wh- well, listen, when I was in OCS, I had to learn to fold socks with a smiley face. had to be put in the left-hand corner of my drawer. How ridiculous is that? I'll tell you how ridiculous it is. You better get it done or you're going to be folding a whole lot of socks. <laughs> and you won't be smiling. They control every part of your life. Do you know everybody at at peri Correctional Facility, somebody makes every every decision for them. When, When they get out, where they go, what they're going to eat. They're going to make the decision about what the activities are for the day. And I'm just going to say this. You listen to me. If you're the prisoner of Jesus Christ, you know what you can say? I'm just totally dependent on him. Can I say it this way? I am not totally dependent on the government of the United States and the economy that we have, but i tell you who I am dependent on. I'm dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ. The food that I eat, the freedom that I have, it all comes from him. Hey, the blessings that I have, they all come from him. If I've got anything of value, it came from him. God, what do you want me to do today? How do you want me to live my life today? Paul is saying, I get up in the morning and I am totally dependent on the Lord. And oh yeah, there may be a Roman soldier here and I may be under house arrest for a couple of years, but I'm not, I'm not his prisoner. I'm his prisoner. I'm his prisoner. I'm trusting him for every single step of the way. You know what Paul said that a lot of people that have everything will never say, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of glory. Just like we read in Philemon, he sounds like he's happy. Now look at it again. Let's just read it and I'm finished. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, most of us would say that doesn't sound appealing. Timothy, our brother, and to Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you what, sounds like me. Paul was happy being a prisoner of Jesus Christ. A humble mind, a servant's heart, and a dependency on Jesus Christ. I'd say that's a good way to live. That's a good way to live. All right, brother so where you at? <clears throat> we we want to take some time praying, and you know Jesus told those disciples, "What could you not watch with me one hour?" And I know some of you. I hope that you stay tonight, and uh, I, I know we had some to go to the youth room and pray. We've had some to go to the men's prayer room, the ladies' prayer room. Some gathered with family, different places, but. Um, we, we do want you, to, we want you to pray with us tonight if you do that. And Brother Scott's going to direct us that way, okay? Thank you, Scott.
1: As we did uh, last Wednesday night, we uh, broke off from this point into smaller groups. We have had a, a rearranging of our service so we could have more time at the end of our service in prayer. And uh, some may choose to stay right here in the auditorium, maybe pray here in the altar or at your pew, and that's perfectly fine. Um, There are also the men's and ladies' prayer rooms, the prayer room upstairs here behind the choir practice room. Uh, Some men may want to go there and pray. Uh, We had several of the young people last week, and if they would like to do the same, could come with myself and Miss Jennifer as we go to the youth room. We'll be praying there. And uh, you may want to have your family gather together and just pray with them. However you want to split up, that'll be fine and uh, maybe just grab a friend and uh you and a friend maybe someone else just spend some time uh, praying one with another and uh, most of all with the lord spending some time with him and uh, as pastor has requested you know the disciples were uh, reprimanded of jesus that they couldn't continue with him one hour and and uh, pastor's asking us the next 30 minutes or so here at church that we take this time and set it aside just to spend some time with the Lord, okay? So uh, at this time, we'll go ahead and split up into our uh, smaller groups. And uh, some, as we mentioned, may want to stay here, but let's split up at this time. And uh, our fellowshipping, we'll try to uh, do that outside or in a portion of the building where folks are not uh, praying. Please be respectful of folks that are spending some time with the Lord and not be too loud in those areas. But uh, let's break off into these groups and pray.